Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Event Tech Talk Show. Um, a quick reminder before we get started that registration for Event Tech Live US and Canada is now open, and we have our early bird tickets um, on sale until the 15th of May. Um, head over to uh, register at eventtechlive.com, and we look forward to seeing you on June 8th, 9th, and 10th. Um, also, for those event technology companies out there that are watching us right now, this year's event tech event technology awards submissions are open you can see a full list of categories including all of the new categories we've got to cover our virtual and hybrid events and all the special things that everybody's been creating over the last 12 months head over to the eventtechnologyawards.co.uk and you can check out a full list of those categories now if you missed last week's episode, you can go and have a look at that on eventtechlive.com or we've actually set up a special URL. You can just type eventtechtalks.com and that'll take you right to the page that you need to go to. Last week's episode was a really interesting episode. That was actually on why content needs to be front and center at virtual events. Now, I think we've done a really good job of this over the last 12 months as event planners. We really focused on content, but some key things in there, some key learnings from myself and the team at Venue IQ, who were the ones that I was interviewing on that podcast, and some really special tips. So do go head out, get head over to eventtechtalks.com or check out the podcast version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. So on today's episode, I have a very special guest, Brandley Keller, all the way from the US. Now, Brandy is VP of Products at Community Brands, a huge event technology company based over in the States. And these guys are providers of software and technology solutions to events, associations, and the education market. In this episode, Brandy will be sharing with myself and, and you her top tips and virtual considerations to help specifically charity fundraising events reach their targets. And we're going to be looking at some of the best contemporary strategies, success stories, top tips for engaging with participants and offsetting some of the fundraising costs and more besides. So please feel free to interact with myself and Brandy, ask questions in the comments and we'll get them on, online as well. So Brandy, welcome to the Event Tech Talk Show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Brilliant. So before we get started, I always like to, you know, give a little history, give a little background of the person that we're interviewing. So how did you get started in the event sector? How did you get started with, with community brands and what brings you to where you are today? Sure. So I really started with community brands from the nonprofit uh, standpoint. So I started my career in software um, in both education and nonprofit. And so I worked with an organization called Abila where we built um, accounting and fundraising solutions for nonprofits. Eventually, Abella was acquired by community brands. And so I just had this history of working with organizations that fundraise. Ultimately, that led into event fundraising. So we were lucky enough to bring a few solutions into our portfolio that focus on event fundraising, um, you know, starting with auctions. And then in this past year, especially, we've evolved even more in building out event, uh, virtual and hybrid event functionality to help support fundraising. So, you know, in a personal sense as well, I've volunteered at organizations since I was a child. So I've supported organizations that help children or animals in need, especially here in Austin. And I've also been on the boards of directors for a couple of organizations and have participated and managed some fundraising campaigns myself. So a little bit of a personal experience in fundraising for nonprofits. And then of course, 
you know, as VP of product in our education on the nonprofit division, I've worked a lot with clients and talked with them about their fundraising challenges, um, especially over the last year. That's awesome. So was that fundraising and that charity work predominantly in-person based before the pandemic, would you say? Or were you guys already helping people do this online way, way before anybody really kind of focused on, on virtual events en masse? That's a great question. So primarily before the pandemic, a lot of the fundraising that, you know, I did in a personal sense was in person, but with an online component. So I think everyone's pretty familiar with online fundraising tools and just um, forms that might be on your website and just ways that you can process donations um, electronically. In a professional sense and working with organizations, there's been a lot of event fundraising. So you know, I've also participated in galas and other in-person fundraising events. Those were historically primarily in-person and our clients were doing the majority of their fundraising in-person in an active sense. Um, they did some virtual component of fundraising from, by having donation buttons and, you know, a way to capture donations on their website. Um, but it wasn't as much as incorporated into the run of show or an event uh, as it has been in the past year. And how have you been helping people make that transition then? Because I guess, you know, fundraising in person, you've got people in the room, you can, you can, you know, you can really amp up the atmosphere, obviously certain things like maybe the booze is flowing. So that helps people kind of get into the spirit of being giving and, you know, helping with charity fundraising online. I would assume it's, totally different so like how have you been how have you been helping people make that transition and get started with online fundraising well, it's a great question because you know i think this past year especially has shown us that that consideration that online fundraising and virtual fundraising is really here to stay mm -hmm. um, and we're seeing a lot of customers who've bridged that gap see this as a long-term solution based on the success that they've seen um, what we've really encouraged organizations to do to kind of start thinking about how they might fundraise in a virtual context and transition from in-person fundraising is look back at how they've been compelling people to give in person. And so in what we've seen, you know, a lot of organizations in their run of show typically have, you know, just as an example, a service recipient or somebody who's benefited from their organization there at the event telling their story. You know, we've really asked organizations to think about how they're setting the stage to fundraise in a virtual sense. So looking at how they're compelling donors to give and making sure that even in a virtual sense, they have a moment or two, you know, whatever makes sense for their organization, where they've told the story, um, they're inspiring somebody to make a gift um, and providing a way to directly tie their support or their gift into your mission. So this feels like kind of an obvious uh, starting point, but in at times, you know, it's hard to translate the run of show in an in-person event and all of the logistics and planning that you've got into that virtual setting and making sure that you're still preserving those moments to give. Um, and it probably also goes without saying, but it's, important to think about the tools as well. That's a big uh, a big decision factor in how you can really enable, you know, selfishly with our systems, we do provide nice ways to kind of manage your run of show and streaming and enable some donation capabilities within that run of show. 
it's important when organizations have been transitioning from in-person events to virtual events, we've tried to help them understand how they can maintain that interactive component where they're you know, streaming some story sharing or some kind of live component with the ability to also enable people to give within that moment as well as they would if they were in person. So we really encourage looking at fundraising tools um, beyond just what many organizations have, which is that donate button on their website, to think about fundraising and engaging donors in the moment. And you know, often that means switching to a platform that allows for that streaming video, chatting, um, maybe even some sponsorship promotion, but the ability to offer more engagement and actual asks um, through technology because you're not there in person, you're not there able to you know, accept cash donations or ways that people might give in person. So it's just a way to make sure that you're creating a little bit more consistency where you can. It sounds to me like community plan, uh, community brands, sorry, community plans, because I was just mm -hmm. coming on to plans. Community mm -hmm. brands have got that perfect blend of, you know, the technology that can help really streamline the process and really help in that moment in time, make it easy for people to donate, really take some of the legwork out for the planners and the organizers in order to, to utilize that technology. Mm -hmm. But clearly there's a lot of experience and strategy and knowledge that, the team at community brands have which obviously comes into play and i think that's what's really interesting about the landscape at the moment you know when it's coming to a choice of technology it's as much about the team behind the technology as it is about the technology itself because it's like okay here's our technology but here is all of our experience working on what maybe hundreds if not thousands of fundraising events over the mm -hmm. year what works what doesn't work maybe what can what can help in the moment in time and I guess not also for, the, for those organizers and planners, which is very important not to get overwhelmed with the technology aspect itself and allowing them to focus actually on, you know, the planning and the organization of the event, which is what they're really good at, right? So it's, it's great to hear and it's great to see that you, you clearly have that both blend of software and service, I would say, of, you know, that this, is a, this is a full package of, of what we can bring to your event. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I'd I'd like to maybe dig into your brain a little bit if you if you if you're willing to share because I know lots of people tune into the Event Tech Talk Show to kind of really get down and you know into the brains of the people on there and kind of what are the ideas that you got what are the strategies that you can share and things like that so you know what are those, some of those top online fundraising ideas that you might be willing to share with with our audience that they can then implement into their events you know are there certain things certain activities and things that have been really successful in raising money with, with some of your clients yeah yeah i'd love to and this is where working with fundraisers is a joy because we're always hearing really great examples and ideas that are creative and engaging and we regularly will pull our teams just for top fundraising examples that they've seen. And, you know, we recently even did a look back at 2020 and found some really amazing examples um, that immediately come to mind. So I think it's pretty clear um, on our side as well that 2020 was a year where fundraisers really dug deep to find success, to create connections um, and to innovate. So a few ideas that really come to mind, you know, and I'll name some specific organizations as well. One of our favorites was the um, Ronald McDonald House of Chicagoland. Okay. They, um, they typically have their annual One Step Closer Gala 
And so that was in person. And when COVID hit, obviously they had to pivot their plan. And so what they did was really um, creative and they created uh, a week of micro events. So they diversified their plan a little bit and they shifted to that week long uh, schedule of activities, which created a lot of touch points, a lot of opportunities to give and kind of calls to action. Um, and they branded it as an ungala, and they ended up bringing in many more donors um, and raised more virtually than they had through a live event. But in that week-long event, um, they opened up a lot of fun activities um, like you know, yoga classes for kids, um, you know, just a lot of smaller events that helped connect families with their missions and also had everything for the entire family as well. So they had a lot of different offerings. A few other ideas that we've seen that just come to mind immediately. Um, we had one of our clients, Edwardsville Children's Museum, they had a March Madness kind of competition for the dopest dad, um, where participants were asked to contribute $5 to vote on different candidates for dopest dad. So it's you know, pretty funny, pretty unique, a way to get more connection and um, engagement from individual families and just show support in a way, like a pseudo peer-to-peer -peer type of um, fundraising. We've also seen a lot of cooking and culinary events, uh, cocktail events uh, have been really popular. So we've seen organizations offer cooking classes or tastings or even cocktail mixing classes. Those have been really interesting and just thinking about all the momentum and excitement individuals have had for uh, cooking kits and subscriptions and, you know, you know, bringing things more uh, into the home so that they can do more of those activities. A uh, great example here was the Humane Society of Utah. They did a Wax to Wishes Gala last year where they offered up a signature cocktail for their event. Um, they had a bartender walk through mixing the, co the cocktail and then um, kind of teased it out leading up to the event. So it was a way to get people engaged, to participate in the event, um, and to feel like they had a little something for themselves as well. They learned something, they had a, a nice little night. Um, and we've also seen a lot of success with 5Ks. Um, obviously outdoor events are you know, a nice way to kind of bridge the gap between people you know, participating at home in a virtual setting and actually being in a group setting. So kind of self-paced 5Ks or like individually managed 5Ks have had some great success. One that comes to mind um, was Oxford Kids Foundation where they hosted a virtual 5K and scavenger hunt. Um, and you know, along the way, there were lots of opportunities for engagement where the children could take selfies and post them on Instagram. Um, they would get extra points if they were in costume. It was a little bit of um, competitiveness. There were a lot of other examples. Those are just some that come to mind immediately. But the biggest theme that we've seen just overall that's been really successful in fundraising is engagement. And I know that word is kind of uh, beaten, uh, you know, drilled into us everywhere when we talk about fundraising and engaging donors, engaging attendees. But it's been a really important underlying theme in the virtual event space because if you think about it, uh, many of us are sitting in front of our computers uh, for most of our day and a lot of our work lives. And so if we're then attending events in that virtual setting, where we've seen organizations be most successful is where they've had you know, interesting concepts to retain attention so that people aren't leaving their browser, going to stream something else, getting distracted. And a lot of those activities are you know, 
something that they can do themselves, whether it's mixing a cocktail, learning something, um, voting activities, and even like the 5K example, getting outside of the house and doing something, but then coming back to the event itself, um, and it's all centered around some kind of giving or, or ask for a donation. That's amazing. Thanks, Brandy, for, for sharing all that. I think my two takeaways from, from what you've just said there is it's clear that virtual events almost offer a larger or wider array of opportunities and to get creative and actually engage their customers and their community in order to really kind of mix things up and just change the way that they're going about fundraising, but give value back to the actual participants or the fund, uh, the, the donate. What would be the right word? Is it the, what's, what's the right word for somebody who donates? I'm going to uh, donor, donor, that's right, mm -hmm. that's right. Um, so yeah, like, you know, do I want to get involved in the 5K and I can participate and, and also that gets encouraging me to donate and maybe it encourages me to get other people in my wider circle of friends and colleagues and stuff to also participate and then, then get involved as well. So I think that's the first thing, you know, it's clear that actually doing things virtually just actually opens up a much wider opportunity to, to get people involved. And I think second is that it, you know, where a, a fundraising event might have been a very closed room, you know, environment, it might have been maybe 100, 200, or, or if, if, you know, maybe if you're lucky, a, a thousand people or something like that. Virtually, I guess the, 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 the net is as big as the ocean, right? It can, you know, you can cash your net really far and wide and maybe even get a lot more people involved in fundraising and raise more money through the sheer ability to to actually allow the participation to be opened up to anybody anywhere in the world right yeah absolutely and you know just adding to that we've talked for we've talked with a lot of organizations about the challenges they have with the model of having one big in-person event right the gala for example because a lot of fundraisers find the annual gala to be very uh, obviously time consuming, cost intensive, stressful. And they often in their fundraising plan are hinging a lot of their fundraising goal on successfully executing on that annual event. So what virtual events has done um, is really open up opportunity to diversify and spread out more opportunity to fundraise, you know, not just once a year, throughout the year, through multiple events, um, or as the, you know, Ronald McDonald House did, within a week period of time, they had multiple events rather than just that one big annual gala. And to your point, you are extending your reach. You know, you don't have the limitations of the number of people you have capacity for in a room. You can have it opened up much more broadly. And we do anticipate that a lot of organizations will continue kind of leveraging virtual events in a hybrid setting as we kind of ease back into normal event, um, kind of the normal event life, you know, having connected with people in a virtual setting, there's a lot of opportunity for organizations to continue having some in-person component with some virtual component just to broaden that reach, right? Just to keep that those connections. That's amazing. And I think just on that point about hybrid, you know, I know there's a lot of fear at the moment about as we transition back and have an in-person component again, you know, there's a huge appetite and a huge desire to keep that virtual element because it's, you know, as the examples that you've given, it's, it's meant so much success, but there's a, there's a fear around budgeting and cost. And I know you've got some 
really good tips around kind of using virtual events and and how you can offset the typical cost of you know fundraising and things like that so could you share some of your tips there because i think that will really help people i guess be in a better position or in more with more knowledge about and, and not have that fear of it's going to cost me twice as much because now i have two components to an event right yeah for sure and you know it's not it probably is pretty intuitive that a virtual event can be a large cost savings from just the, um, you know, the logistics standpoint, right? So you're spending less virtually than you would on equipment for an in-person event or for catering, for rentals, juggling multiple vendors. So that process overall just becomes smoother and requires less staff time. So if you're thinking about the tangible costs for an, an event um, in a venue, there's definitely a lot of savings to be had out of the box, but because, you know, to your point, a virtual event really helps you expand the opportunity to fundraise uh, and reach more people. We've seen a lot of success from organizations offsetting the cost for their event by just the sheer volume of people they're able to reach. Um, something that's really key and I think important just thinking about that reach our sponsorships. That's a, a great way to really offset fundraising expense. So in a virtual setting, you know, depending on the platform that you're using and how you're advertising your sponsorships, mm-hmm. you know, we see a lot of organizations finding more people viewing and participating in events than ever before. And so because virtual experiences are normalized, more normalized than before, virtual sponsorships are really valuable. So this is a really, really important consideration to make when you're thinking about offsetting costs, you know, planning for sponsorships, um, ensuring that you're promoting and talking about those sponsors before, during, and after the event is important. Um, We've even done our own analysis um, through Google Analytics on our own events and really found that more people are even just viewing fundraising pages than ever before. So just the the value of those impressions and ad value for sponsorships is really, really lucrative. Um, You know, there are a lot of other intangible ways that virtual events can offset typical costs as well. You know, time savings is a big component. We've heard from organizations that in a virtual setting, they're spending less time, of course, on the logistics and operations. So there's less kind of time cost, and logistic support. And there's also some intangible savings around reconciliation and kind of closing out your event. You've got fewer expenses, fewer line items to juggle, um, fewer transactions to process from all of the you know, on-site uh, vendor management that you might need to do otherwise. So the process is overall just smoother and it requires less staff time. And that's just a huge benefit to limiting costs for in-person events by going virtual. Yeah, I really like the point about the the ad spend and the value to sponsors because we all know of events of any kind of, you know, relatively expensive things to organize. You have venue catering, you know, other things, entertainment, AV, mm-hmm. and all these things add up and fundamentally are, you know, funded through tickets and sponsors, generally a heavyweight to sponsors as well. And, you know, there's a great, there is a great value to those sponsors having that brand exposure within a venue, within a live event. But when you transfer that digitally 
if you're keeping things the same cost, they're actually getting huge more value. And as an organizer, you can ultimately report on that. So you can tell them about impressions. There's things like click-throughs and calls to action, which they can get more value out of it. Maybe there's a something from that sponsor that audience can download or access mm -hmm. and it's gated and they can get some you know some data out of it maybe there's a new product launch that you just want to push somebody to a video or something like that and i think that's one of the best things about virtual events from a publisher's perspective you know i come from a you know literally having an online audience that we attract on a daily basis to engage with our platform and now virtual events are kind of moving into that into that way of being able to really cost effectively cost effectively spin up content in uh, around a community or around a particular niche and provide huge amounts of value and huge amounts of exposure for those sponsors that are involved because it's such a key audience for them um, without themselves having to go to extra costs and things like that. Like it's funny because I heard a, a story actually right at the beginning of the pandemic of an organizer who's organizing, funnily enough, uh, a fundraising event who they actually had a really big sponsor come and, and kind of said, you know, just with the additional costs in terms of getting involved, we can't do it. When the pandemic hit, they transitioned to and they pivoted to virtual and that sponsor actually came back on board because then it was like, well, this makes sense for us now and invested the exact same amount of money that, that was being asked for, of them before. Yeah, it was much more acceptable for them because they didn't have logistical costs, hotels, flights, and all that kind of extra stuff that would have meant them going to the actual physical event. So in some ways, I think it opens up the doors to a much wider subset of, of, of sponsors potentially that aren't necessarily in the same location, but really do value the actual audience. I've got one final question, Brandy, and this is a tech question. Obviously, this is the Event Tech Talk Show, so if we didn't talk tech and get a little geeky on tech, it wouldn't be the right show for everybody. But from your perspective of VP of product, what's exciting to you about technology over the next year or two? Because I think it's fair to say that as an industry, you know, we've had some great technology. Let's be fair, community brands and the technology and all the acquisitions that it's made over the years, it's not brand new, you know, we, the, the event tech sphere has been around for a decade or more, right, if not longer. But over the past year, it's fair to say that the industry has been very much more accepting, been very much more willing to invest. But I guess are looking towards the future. So, so from your perspective, what excites you about technology over the next couple of years? I think from a virtual or just from an event fundraising perspective, you know, I think the experience itself, there's so much opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. And when you think about personalization and just how organizations understand who you are, I think there is so much opportunity in how we are understanding our donors, um, what motivates them, what engages them and how to create some really compelling event um, event runs of shows. So from a tech perspective, what I am really looking forward to seeing is more of uh, kind of the in-event experience. So we're seeing more and more event fundraising solutions create kind of that all-in-one focused experience where you can stream, you can see sponsorship information, you can chat, um, you can give within a moment. I'm really excited to see a very consistent, engaging experience for donors who can participate in an event, whether it's you know, virtual or um, in a hybrid setting, but they can engage with people from another part of the world at the same time while they're learning more about an organization and something that's really important to their community, to the world. 
within one UI um, and they're not popping out to different browsers or they're not having to check their phone. Um, it feels a little bit like table stakes, but I don't think all of the technology is there yet to really bring that experience into one consistent format where it's really intuitive. Um, but we're, you know, everybody's making great strides there. And obviously I'm a little bit biased, but I would have to brag on GiveSmart as our fundraising management system. Um, you know, we've really invested a lot in our hybrid and virtual event um, features and we're continuing just to listen to customers. And that seems like the way that a lot of our organizations are looking to progress too, is just to really make the experience intuitive, centralized, easy. Um, so it's a no brainer that you could participate, you know, in person or online and still feel the same um, importance and um, excitement about being there. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think we're going to go over the next couple of years, it's going to be a lot of refinement and consolidation and quick learning. And like you say, just streamlining that experience. So it's very unified and almost seamless to the participant, right? And I think mm -hmm. the analogy I would give is people soon, for, soon forget that Netflix used to send you DVDs in the post, right? Like that's yeah. how they got started. They got started in the physical world and as, as a tech, you know, they're, they're put on a pedestal now as one of the pinnacle technology providers in terms of their process of getting, you know, content and DVDs and films and movies into the hands of the people that want it in such a seamless way. And I think the event sector will go very much the same way. I think, you know, as time goes on, obviously companies like you are going to race ahead and invest hugely in making that a, a, a real thing. But I think we'll also see that across the board and a, a much smoother experience for, for everybody involved. Um, Brandy, I, I really appreciate you coming on to today's podcast. I know you, you, you were short of time and we got through a lot there. For anybody that's interested in kind of finding out more about you and GiveSmart and community brands and maybe even looking for somebody to help them with their own fundraising events, where's the best place to, to check you guys out? Um, I would go to GiveSmart.com. We've got a lot of really great resources. So whether you're an organization that's just thinking about fundraising, you know, we have had so many success stories and examples and toolkits out there. Um, we've even put together a fundraising accelerator, which is a great tool for organizations to kind of look through if they're considering fundraising with some practical tips on how to get started. But, you know, we've had so much experience working with organizations. We love telling their stories. There's something on the website for anybody who's curious and just learning more about fundraising at virtual or hybrid events. That's really the best place to start. Brilliant. Thank you very much for coming on today. Guys, if you liked what you heard today or what you saw today, um, or if this is on replay, please share and like and subscribe to this channel. Share it with your network on LinkedIn and help the news and information spread between your colleagues and peers. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in today, and we'll see you in the next one. Yeah.